All right, New Hope Church. It's so great to be together. I wanna to take a minute and welcome all of our campus locations, Sanford, Garner, North Raleigh, Hillsboro, Coffee House, Columbia, our Kenya campuses, our iCampus, and if you're watching on Facebook Live, I wanna say welcome. We're so glad that you're here with us. You know, going through a list that long reminds me that we're one church in many locations, all for the purpose of bringing hope to the world around us. The message of Jesus Christ. Isn't that amazing? Can we celebrate that as a church? It's so awesome what God's doing here at New Hope. Uh, my name is George Franco. I'm one of the pastors here. I'm not the senior pastor. Our senior pastor, Benji Kelly, has been on sabbatical this summer. He's due back in a few short weeks. On uh, September the 10th, he'll be kicking off a new series that's gonna be absolutely amazing. I can't wait for you guys to hear that. Um, but I have been here for the last couple of weeks with you guys, and we've been going through this series titled The Blessed Life. And uh, God's been teaching us about how deep his love is for us and how we can share that with other people. And so if you haven't been here or haven't had an opportunity to catch up with us, the first message was all about loving others. It was about sacrificing the things that are valuable to us. And we used a passage out of John where John was talking to a group of believers, of Christians that were gathered together, much like our church is gathered together today. And uh, he was saying to them, he said, hey, if you love your brothers and sisters, other believers in Christ, the person in front or behind you right now, or the person to the left or to the right of you, if you love them, if you're willing to lay down your time, treasure and talent for them, then it proves that you've passed from death to life, that you have the love of God inside of you and it's overflowing out into other people. And then in part two, last week, Joe Schmidt came and he brought an amazing word to us and he talked about this challenge. He said, do you believe that God's love for you is extravagant? Do you believe that God's love for you is extravagant? And he said, not only did God create everything that we see, he could have put us on a rock with a donkey and a couple of people, right? That's what Joe told us. But instead, God created everything as we know it. And if you go back to the account in Genesis, you'll see that God created everything and said it was good. So there was a blessing well before there was ever a curse here on earth. And so Satan came and the scripture tells us that the enemy only comes to steal, kill and destroy. And he came to separate us from God. And God saw that separation and said, I need to send a savior and rescue those people, the people that I love and care about the most. And so he sent his own son, Jesus, to come from heaven to earth, to live on earth, to live a perfect life with no sin and then uh, face the most horrific death on a cross and overcome death so that we might have life more abundant, a real blessed life. And so if we believe that that type of love is absurd, if we believe that that type of love is extravagant in our life, then the question he asks is what have we done that's been extravagant for God? What have we done that's been extremely over the top generous for God? And we went through the story of the Good Samaritan and the widow's might. They're amazing stories in the Bible. I encourage you if you haven't heard them already to go look at them. But then he came to the story of Mary who took a year's worth of wages and bought an expensive bottle of perfume. That's what we'll call it right now. And then when she came face to face with God, Jesus here on earth, she, she knelt down, broke the bottle over and poured it over his dirty, sweaty feet from the long days of walking and journeying on the roads. And then she took her hair and wiped his feet. It was extravagant. 
It was absurd to think that she'd take a year's worth of salaries to do that when she came face to face with her savior. And so the question was, what have we done that's been extravagant for God? And so as I've been thinking about this series and saying, hey, how would we land the series? What are some of the things that we would wanna take away as a church? I started thinking of the people in my life who've been extravagant. And right now you're beginning to think of generous, extravagant people and names begin to surface to the top really fast. It doesn't take long for those names to get to the top of your list. And the name that came to my list is a guy that I've gotten to know over the last 10 years. He leads a Fortune 500 company. He's responsible for billions, billions and billions and billions of dollars every single year and thousands of employees. And if you would walk into his workplace, they would tell you that he's not the stereotype executive because there's something different about him. Like he actually cares for the people that are around him. He loves them. He's giving towards them. And during the week, you'll find this Fortune 500 executive oftentimes in the parking lot. He's parking cars at his local church. During midweek, he's leading a small group for the students. And once a year, he takes the students on a missions trip around the world. He gives 10% of his income to the church. And every time the church has a need, anytime there's a project, much like we're going through Hope Rising right now, he said that he wants to give 10% of the total project as well. And uh, the thing that I love about him is not only is it within the church, but he's always looking for opportunities outside. So his life group's always on mission together and they're looking at the needs, not only of the group, but of other people. And he's always trying to meet those needs along the way. Every single time I sit down with this person, I wanna pour into him because I'm like, who's investing in you? Who's caring for you? Like you've got a lot of responsibility, a lot of stress in life. And so how can I love and care for you? And as soon as we start that conversation, he flips it around. He's like, how are you doing? How's the new job? What's it like in Durham? What's God doing at New Hope Ministry? He's like, what, what about your kids? What's he doing in their life? And I started thinking about that. The generous, the extremely extravagant people that I know in life, the list is fairly small, right? But they come to the top of our mind right away and they're always thinking of others and less of themselves. They're always investing in us and less of themselves. And you know what's absolutely amazing is that we love being around them. Like as soon as that name came to your mind, every opportunity that you get to spend time with them, you're like, yes, I get to go spend some time with them. We love being around them. Other people love being around them. In fact, like when we're out in our social crowds or our friends and we drop their name, everybody's like, oh yeah, I, I know him. I, I know him, right? He's a cool guy. Like we want to know those people and why? Because they bring life and joy to the people around them. And so as I was thinking about, hey, how could we end this series on the blessed life? I began thinking in the Bible, the apostle Paul wrote a letter to a guy who was just like that, was extremely kind and generous with his things. He had got quite the reputation for it. And Paul writes him a letter. His name is Philemon. If you have your Bibles with you, you can turn to that. Now, here's the interesting thing. If you are having a hard time doing your quiet time and you're like, hey, I'm looking for something to read in the Bible and you wanna find something short, Philemon's one chapter. It's one letter, 25 verses, 500 words. Like you can do this one, right? And so I encourage you this week to go back and read the rest of Philemon because it's an amazing story of uh, what Paul's speaking into Philemon's life. But 
So here's what happens is Paul had ministered to Philemon at some point through Paul's ministry. Philemon makes a decision to put his faith in Jesus Christ. That means he's completely confident that Philemon's put his complete trust in who Jesus is, that Jesus's love was extravagant for Philemon. And Philemon says, I want to accept that love. And so Paul, um, after that is traveling, he gets thrown in prison. He's over a hundred miles away and he starts his letter to Philemon and he says, hey Philemon, I pray and thank God for you all the time and I'm so excited about your faith and what God's doing because I'm hearing all these actions of love that are spilling out from you. He's a hundred miles away in prison and he's beginning to hear about Philemon's faith and he's hearing it because Philemon's faith is in action. He's loving other people well. And so it's absolutely amazing. So in the next verse, this is what, um, this is what Paul says to Philemon in the letter. It says um, in Philemon 1.6, it says, and I am praying that you will put into action the generosity that comes from your faith as you understand and experience all the good things that we have in Christ as you come to understand and experience all the good things we have in Christ. Now, that passage is a little bit hard to understand because like Philemon, his actions, his faith is already in action. He's doing lots of good things and Paul's hearing all about those. But what Paul is praying, he's praying a dangerous prayer for Philemon. He's asking him to up the ante. He's saying, hey, Philemon, look, continue to let that generosity of God's love in your heart spill outwardly, put it into action more and more. And Philemon, look, when you put love into action, it's like a muscle, right? If we don't go to the gym and we don't work out, the muscle gets weak and fatigued. But as we begin to exercise our love of God towards other people, what Paul says to Philemon is you really begin to understand the depth of Jesus's great love for you. Like, get this. When we put our love that we've accepted from Christ into action to other people, it's in that moment that we begin to see like Jesus. We begin to feel like Jesus. We begin to be the hands and the feet of Jesus. And we grow to a deeper understanding of knowledge of what Jesus did in our life. And when we do that, it strengthens our faith it strengthens our muscle and we begin to put more love into action in deeper and greater ways. And when we do that, we get a greater understanding of who Jesus is and the muscle gets stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger. It's an incredible challenge, isn't it? That's an incredible challenge for our church as we come to the end of the blessed life to come to the spot and say, hey, are we ready to exercise that muscle in a greater way? And when we do, we'll know more of who Jesus is in our life. We'll experience him deeper and richer and more extravagantly than we've already experienced his love in our life. And that's an amazing thing to begin to think about. And oftentimes in our lives, when we're issued a challenge, when we hear um, pieces of truth in our life, there's something that comes right behind it where we have the opportunity to put it into place. And this is the place that Philemon's at today because Paul sent this letter with a person named Onesimus. Onesimus hands the letter to Philemon. And what you don't know is that Onesimus was a runaway slave of Philemon's. Onesimus and Philemon had been in some type of conflict, what we read from the rest of the passage. They'd been arguing about something and maybe Philemon was afraid of his punishment or his penalty, what might happen to him. Maybe Philemon was just trying to find freedom. Maybe that's what the conflict was about. And Philemon runs away from 
uh, or I'm sorry, Onesimus runs away from Philemon and he runs to Paul, who's had a great influence in Philemon's life. And he's thinking if there's anybody that can help, maybe Paul would have an answer. Maybe Paul can help me with it. And as Onesimus gets to Paul and finds some help from Paul, he also hears the message of hope. Paul shares the good news of Jesus Christ with Onesimus and Onesimus puts his complete faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And now Paul puts a letter in his hand and says, Onesimus, your responsibility, your opportunity is to go back to your master. And Onesimus is now standing in front of Philemon, handing him a letter and waiting to see what Philemon's response will be. And if you read the rest of the chapter, it's an amazing book because what Paul begins to challenge um, or what Paul begins to challenge Philemon with is this idea that, hey, Onesimus left you a slave, but he's coming back to you as a brother and sister in Christ. He left you a slave. He was in conflict with you. You were in a fight. You were in an argument. He went away and he's coming back a brother and sister in Christ. And all this time, Paul's been challenging Philemon. Philemon's been kind of like, yeah, I've been doing a pretty good job of exercising the muscle. I'm loving my other brothers and sisters in Christ, but he wasn't loving his slave the same way. And so what Paul says to Philemon is that your relationship with Onesimus is not based upon a social system of subjugation, but it's based upon your common brotherhood in Jesus Christ. What Paul's trying to show Philemon right here is the incompatibility of treating people differently in the gospel. It doesn't go together. We don't treat people differently because it doesn't mesh with the gospel, what Jesus did on the cross, because Jesus himself tells us that he died on a cross for whosoever, whoever believes in him. He says that the son of man will be lifted up that whoever believes in him will have eternal life. You see, the message of the gospel, it cuts straight through social and cultural boundaries. God's love does not discriminate or is not reserved for people based upon their social or economic status, what they look like, or even their gender. And neither should our love for one another. Jesus, right before he goes to the cross, gathers his followers, his disciples around him and says, hey, let's go up to this room. Let's have some dinner. We call it the Last Supper. And as he takes them up there, the disciples have tons of questions because they've been following Jesus. And they're like, you're gonna leave us. We don't know what to do. How are, how are we gonna know what to do? Who's gonna give us the commands? And Jesus says, hey, hey, hang on just a second. Let me share something with you. And this is what Jesus tells them. You can find it in John chapter 13. He says, so now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. The new command that Jesus is giving isn't to love one another. That had been told for generations from the beginning of time. God said to love God and to love others. The new command here is to love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Jesus is saying to his disciples, I have loved you really well during this time. You've seen who I am. You've seen my generosity, my extravagance put into action. But what you're getting ready to see now is my sacrifice. 
I'm getting ready to lay my life down for you. Look, if you can't even get to the spot of laying down your time, talent, and treasure for someone else, how in the world would we ever get to a position where we could lay down our life for someone else? So we have a new commandment. If we live the blessed life, if we've experienced God's extravagant, we have a new commandment to love people as Jesus, our Savior, loved us. Jesus says to his disciples that the world will know that you love me, that you're followers of me by the way that you love other people. It's a love that sacrificially lays down itself for other people. It protects, it's kind, it's charitable, it acts, it's emotion, it's a muscle, it's getting stronger and stronger, not weaker and weaker. And love, love, love always, always forgives. It's a love, it's a love that reflects a deeper understanding of what Jesus did for us. It's a love that gives us a deeper experience of what Jesus took to the cross for each and every one of us. When we love people the way that Jesus loved us, it begins to build up in our hearts and it's our opportunity to let it spill out onto people all around us. It's our opportunity not to be reservoirs and hold it all to ourselves, but to let it overflow, put it into action and love the people around us so that we won't be reservoirs, but as Joe said, we'll become raging rivers, not babbling brooks, we'll become raging rivers so that our rock that we drop in the water will not only get other people wet around us, but it'll send ripples far and wide so far and wide that hundreds and hundreds of miles away that people will know that New Hope Church loves other people and that we follow Jesus by the way that we love others. And more than any other time, New Hope Church, more than any other time in the world, we as a church need to love others. And we want our culture and our society to change. It needs to change. But more importantly, we need people's hearts to change through the love of Jesus Christ. And when their hearts change, that overflow will begin to spill out. And what things look like in our society and our culture, the way that we begin to treat and behave towards other people will change because we will love our brothers and sisters. Let me pray for us. God, I come before you today, and I wanna say thank you for the blessings that you've poured out in our lives. We spent an, a, a time today just worshiping you, praising you um, for all that you've done in our lives. And God, we're so thankful for that. And we come now with this challenge to love each other as you have loved us. And it's our time, it's our opportunity, a great opportunity in our world today to put that love into action, to strengthen that muscle so that other people will know that we are your followers. We're true Jesus followers. And that other people too might have that love just like Onesimus received it, just like Philemon received it. And that their actions and their behaviors and their attitudes towards other people would begin to change 
Lord, we learn that lovers are givers, and I pray that our church would have the boldness and the confidence to love other people well, to be willing to lay down their things for others. And God, we pray that you would do a mighty work in the world, and we point everybody back to the most powerful name, Jesus. And we pray it in your name, Jesus, amen.